You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Theologian Russell Moore joins Washington Post Live for a conversation focused on the future of the evangelical movement in the United States, its outsized influence on American politics, and efforts to combat vaccine hesitancy in the Bible Belt. Let's listen. Good morning and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Francis Deed Sellers, a senior writer here at The Post. This morning, we're gonna be talking about the future of the evangelical movement in the United States. My guest is Dr. Russell Moore. He is a public theologian at Christianity Today. Formerly, he was the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Moore, a very warm welcome to Washington Post Live. Well, thank you for having me. Good to be with you. Well, it's great to have you. We were living in challenging times, and I wanted to start by asking you about vaccine hesitancy among white evangelicals, where I believe about a quarter um, say they're hesitant and won't get the vaccine. Can you tell me what's fueling that hesitance? Well, I think there are a lot of people in the secular world who assume that the hesitancy is coming from theological distinctives to evangelical Christianity. And there are some people uh, who will say uh, things along the lines of, uh, God will protect me, I don't need uh, a vaccine. Uh, mostly, though, that's in the prosperity gospel, health and wealth uh, form of uh, Pentecostalism, in, in my experience. Much more so what's going on in your typical evangelical church is the same thing that you will find in some other sectors of American life, which is sorting through misinformation, uh, trying to uh, figure out what's true and what's false. Uh, and, and I hear from pastors often who are saying, I'm, I'm trying to encourage my people to be vaccinated, showing them all the things that we can do together if we are. But there's a great deal of, um, of misinformation that comes through on social media feeds and, and sometimes cable news networks. And that, that simply is much more time in the week than an hour or, or two hours on Sunday. Pastors also have a very powerful voice. Is it incumbent on them, in your view, to encourage their congregants to get vaccinated? Uh, yes, and I think they are. Uh, I think there are many people who assume that pastors are the problem, and that's that's not what I'm finding. I'm finding pastors actually on the front lines in their communities, encouraging uh, their people to be vaccinated, uh, but also ministering to people when they're sick uh, in their community. So it's it's not pastors. I think instead it's it's the sort of um, uh, conspiracy theorizing that comes across social media, along with just uh, a sense of uh, uncertainty. Uh, I don't I encounter many people in evangelical life, at least who are churchgoers, who are anti-vaxxers. But mm -hmm. I do encounter a lot who are, who are just wondering, what, who do I trust and, and what do I believe? And so sometimes that takes a long time. So are there stronger messages that, that uh, politicians and health officials could be giving to reach uh, these groups who are remaining uncertain? I don't know what they could be, uh, because uh, I think that almost every uh, form of communication has been tried uh, and is, is continuing to be tried. And uh, one of the things I think that, that is moving the needle a little bit more than anything else is the experience of, of seeing great suffering. Uh, sadly, yeah. uh, many people are seeing people that believed themselves to be invulnerable um, getting sick or, or dying. 
And there's a great deal of concern about that. So, so that I think is having more of a, a motivating factor than even uh, all of the public service announcements and, and information that we can give. You've said several times you've mentioned misinformation, and I'm curious about how the church is responding to the spread of QAnon and other conspiracy theories. What's the role here of the church in your view? Well, it's not so much QAnon as a, a formal uh, movement. Uh, very rarely do I hear people who will say I'm a supporter of QAnon, but often they will pick up uh, conspiracy theories that are being spread by QAnon and, and similar groups uh, and don't even know uh, where this is coming from. And this is a great concern, uh, not only to pastors, but one of the things that I find myself uh, dealing with often now are uh, young evangelicals who are saying, help me know how to, how to talk to my parents. Uh, they, they might say that their parents have become involved in some of these conspiracy theories and they're worried about them and want to know how to connect with them. Well, that's, a, that's almost the mirror image of the conversations I would have been having 10 years ago when parents right. would be saying, help me to know how to talk and connect to my children. And so that's, so that's a great concern and it seems only but the possibilities are only that it could get worse. So we need to be ready for this. Uh, so that makes me think back to January the 6th and, and the fact that some of those people uh, raiding uh, the Capitol building said they were, doing, they were answering the call of God. Uh, what do you make of that? How should we re be responding to that? Well, I, I think I was as angry as I've ever been when I watched uh, the insurrection against uh, our country, our, our Capitol building, with some signs uh, using Christian uh, symbols and Christian language, uh, Jesus saves and, and so forth, which is of course completely contrary uh, to the, the message of scripture, to the message of the gospel. Uh, this was violent and, and evil. And one of the things that's, that's necessary is for evangelical Christian people who believe as, as I do, that the gospel is good news, uh, that, uh, that a person can be born again and can experience the grace of God is to reclaim uh, that good news from those who would seek to, to use it. And that's not only the case in the United States, but we can see across Europe, uh, for instance, uh, groups that are taking Christian imagery of, of crosses or, or Christianity as Western civilization and defining the two as, as the same and seeking to use that. And, and that's always been a temptation because if any group or power can claim uh, God, uh, or, or claim the authority of Jesus Christ, then that authority can be seen as, as unquestionable. Uh, but as Christians, we have to be the people who understand that uh, God has revealed himself in scripture and does not allow himself to be made into a means to an end uh, for, for any purpose. So I know that you have said you've, you've been targeted by some extremists. How big a threat is this kind of Christian nationalism you're talking about now? Well, I think that there is a, a global threat of uh, sometimes violent groups that will take on Christian imagery. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a, a much bigger threat to the impulse behind it, uh, which is to, to find Christianity or some other religion as something useful uh, in order to mobilize people uh, or, or to carry out certain ideologies. And I think that's dangerous in two ways. It's dangerous uh, to, to all of us as, as citizens and as, as people and as neighbors, uh, but it also is dangerous to the witness of the Christian church. Um, Jesus just does not allow himself 
uh, to be joined together with any idol. And so we have to be very clear about what uh, what the gospel is and what the gospel is not, because I see uh, a reaction to all of this uh, often of a kind of cynicism. If people believe that what they're hearing uh, in these sorts of movements is coming from Jesus himself, then uh, they're they're disillusioned. Now, if, if people are disillusioned with Christ or with the gospel because they don't want to follow Christ, that's sad, but it's not surprising. But when people hear uh, what they believe is coming out of the mouth of Jesus, uh, violent or uh, ethnic idolatries or a political power, uh, then that's a that's a message of misrepresenting Christ himself. And that's that's very serious for me. And how are churches responding to this? I mean, that's a, that what you say is clearly so serious, but um, how are churches managing and pushing back? Well, I see two things happening. Uh, one of the things is uh, that I see uh, pastors who often are exhausted. And it's not just because of this uh, sort of thing and because of the social media ecosystem that we live in right now. But after a year of COVID, having to make decisions about whether or not uh, to, to open and when not to be open and, and how to deal with uh, controversies about masks and vaccines and, and so forth. Uh, there's a great deal of exhaustion among among some pastors, and that that concerns me. I think we need uh, congregations to love and to support their pastors in this time. But the second thing is, I think that uh, there's a, a sense of renewal uh, taking place. I see congregations and movements that are reconnecting uh, to each other in new ways, reconnecting to their communities, uh, grounding themselves again in the gospel first. And so that's a, a sign of, of life and of encouragement. I have a big question. I probably should have asked it earlier, but how do you define evangelical at this point? What does it mean? How does it change? How does it separate itself from other Christian denominations? And is that change, that term changing at the moment? And I'm sorry to ask a big question and hope you can answer it briefly. Well, evangelical Christianity is uh, rooted in the evangel, which is the good news of the gospel that God uh, is reconciling the world to himself through uh, the blood of Christ and that anyone uh, can uh, can stand righteous before God uh, found in Christ with a an emphasis on the authority of the Bible uh, on Christian orthodoxy. It's a, it's a renewal movement, a revival movement within the larger uh, body of Christ. There are some people who don't want to use the word evangelical anymore because of the way that it's been used uh, politically and culturally and in other ways. And I understand that. I, I wrote a, a piece in the Washington Post in 2016 saying that I, I found myself reluctant to call myself an evangelical at the time. But I've come to conclude that there is not a, a word that better defines uh, what it means to be people anchored to the authority of Scripture and to the good news of the gospel. And so our, our really our charge is not to abandon the word or to fight over the word, but to represent something different that's, um, that's rooted in the best, uh, the best traditions of evangelical Christianity. So in preparing for this discussion, I heard from some people who equated evangelical with anti-LGBTQ movements, saying it diminished the role of women and was basically a pro-Trump movement. How do you respond to those kinds of uh, broad allegations? Well, I think what we have to recognize is evangelical Christianity as a uh, theology and as a practice. Uh, which means uh, seeing uh, the way that people live and think and 
and uh, act together in local congregations. In terms of the understanding of evangelicalism as a political movement, uh, this is something that has that has caused uh, a great deal of uh, lamentation, really across uh, many sectors of evangelicalism, uh, both internally and externally. And and I find uh, great uh, frustration often in talking to people in the outside world who assume that evangelicalism is simply a political caucus, that uh, that people are organizing themselves together politically, and that's what evangelicalism is. Uh, I don't blame the outside world uh, for that because uh, we often see evangelicalism presented to the world uh, that way. Um, but um, but that's this this is not a a political movement, although there are sometimes political implications to the things that we believe. Is it the media that's causing this? what you're you're describing is a misperception? Um, I don't know that it's the media. I think that uh, part of it is the the cultural ecosystem in which we live in which uh, politics seems to be the most important thing uh, about uh, about life, which is why we see politically obsessed people uh, arguing back and forth on Facebook as though they were video gaming. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is uh, the fact that there have been some high profile sectors of evangelicalism that have uh, that have sought uh, political influence and, and closeness to political mm -hmm. power. Um, and then I think the media does uh, tend to tend to notice evangelicalism in terms of things that the media already finds of interest, uh, which would include politics. So the fastest group, I think, uh, of evangelicals in this country are Latinos. And how do you, looking ahead, think that will shape the country's cultural, religious and political landscape? Well, I find not only with Latino evangelicals, but with uh, various uh, immigrant groups, that one of the great sources of, uh, of life and vitality in evangelicalism right now is coming through often first or second generation Americans. Uh, when I go onto a college campus and, and speak to a campus ministry, often the leaders uh, of that group are people who were not born in America and who have parents uh, anywhere else around, around the world. And I think one of the important things about that is a connection of the American church to the global church. Um, after all, evangelical Christianity is not a, an American uh, movement. It's the kingdom of God is not uh, anchored to America. The kingdom of God is, uh, is global and indeed more than global, connected to uh, the, the body of Christ across the generations in, in heaven and on earth, most of whom uh, are the vast majority of whom are not uh, American and have never spoken English. And so I think we need that connection uh, with the broader body of Christ and, and many immigrant communities within American evangelicalism are helping that. So earlier you mentioned the notion of, of younger people coming to you and asking how to talk to their parents. We've also seen evidence of younger people losing confidence in the church over issues like climate change and LGBTQ issues. How does the church stay culturally re relevant and make sure those younger people are on board with its teachings? Well, what I find, I don't find as much uh, younger people right now who are walking away from evangelical Christianity mm. because they don't believe the things uh, that we believe or that they think that we believe too much. And that's that's always the case to, to some degree. What What's alarming to me is not that someone would say, well, 
we we can't accept these hard teachings of the Bible, and so we're we're walking away. What concerns me is when I see younger people looking at, uh, for instance, scandals and and cover-ups uh, taking place within all institutions, but within mm -hmm. churches as well, and concluding that the church itself does not believe uh, what the church teaches. Uh, that I think is is a crisis, and so I think we have to be the people who don't adjust our uh, our message uh, to the culture, but neither should we be the sort of people who are fearful and and panicked. I mean, after all, we ought to have the confidence of people who who are carrying forward a message that's been handed down from Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that brings, I think, a sense of uh, kindness uh, in the way that we relate to the outside world. So you recently resigned from the Southern Baptist Convention, and you did so over the very kinds of issues you're talking about now, um, what you allege was covering, covering up scandals, um, particularly over sexual abuse. Could you talk briefly about that, your decision to, to resign? And Well, I think the decision was more about uh, how best to carry out uh, the calling uh, that I think God has, has, uh, has put on my life uh, since I walked down the aisle at a Mississippi Baptist church as a teenager and committed to, uh, to, to carry out my life in ministry. What would be the best way uh, to do that? And it's, it's very concerning for me when I look around as someone who had a crisis of faith as a teenager and, and started to wonder, is, is Christianity really just a, a means to an end? And I came through that crisis of faith because of um, voices uh, such as uh, the writings of uh, C.S. Lewis and others. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm concerned that there are others who are looking at that. In a, in a time when institutions are, um, are, are often not trusted, uh, not just because of the cultural moment, but because in many cases those institutions have failed. Uh, we can do without some institutions, but we cannot do without uh, the Church of Jesus Christ, in my view. So that's going to require some new ways uh, of connecting and, and being together. So one last question. I really do want to, to look ahead. You have this new platform at Christianity Today. Tell us about your goals in this new mode of uh, communication that you've taken on. Well, I think two things. Uh, one of those things would be content in uh, providing uh, people with uh, a theology and a Christian witness that can help us to understand the cultural moment uh, around us right now. And the second would be bringing people together, community, uh, finding ways of convening uh, not just evangelical leaders, but grassroots evangelicals who really do want to put the kingdom of God first, who really do want to love God and love neighbor, and who don't want to see the gospel used as a means to an end. I, I think there's a great uh, movement of such evangelicals right now. Dr. Russell Moore, we look forward to reading more from you and Christianity Today. Thank you so much for joining us at Washington Post Live. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry we didn't have a longer conversation there. It was fascinating. If you want to know what's coming up on Washington Post Live, please go to WashingtonPostLive.com. As always, I'm Francis Deed Sellers. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.